And welcome to Bamsey's Mount of the First podcast. I am Chris Ryan along with Peter Evers. It's our Ask the CEO edition of the podcast, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But first, Bamsey has received two significant awards. And uh, we're going to talk with the CEO of Bamsey about that. Again, if you want to ask your questions of Peter Evers, the email for that is askceo at bamsey.org. Again, askceo at bamsey.org. Hello, Peter. Hey, Chris. How are you? Phenomenal. So let's start with the awards. Tell us a little bit about what was won and why. Yeah, it's been a pretty uh, exciting week here, Chris. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, two awards within the space of a pretty short time. I'll start with the first one, which we actually uh, received a few weeks ago, and that was the Association for Developmental Disabilities Providers, which is one of our big trade associations, Award for Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. Uh, we're getting quite used to win the, winning those awards because uh, folks might remember that last year we won the Association for Behavioral Health Award for the same thing, continuing some of the amazing work that our um, diversity, equity, inclusion, justice and access uh, group subcommittee have been doing over the past year. Um, we actually went uh, and accepted the award and Gwen Broadway uh, accepted the award, the award on behalf of BAMSI. Uh, and it was so great to see her up there because she's been such a um, uh, a devotee of getting the word out with our, with the roadshows, which we affectionately call Gwen's roadshows, uh, getting out to have conversations with frontline staff around issues of equity and inclusion. So um, all of that hard work, it's nice to be reckon, recognized and, uh, and we were last week. So that was good. Um, and then moving on to our second award, we, uh, we, applied for the uh, Certified Community Behavioral Health Center Award, which is a federal initiative. Um, and I don't, I'm not gonna get into the, the details of it, but basically it allows us to be certified as a provider of behavioral health services to, in our community, which in, sort of allows us to get um, better rates for our clinicians and more flexible spending in terms of how we provide those services um, through actually, uh, uh, it is at the moment the Whitman uh, Counseling Center, and we'll be using the Whitman Counseling Center as the new uh, federal center for uh, behavioral health. So um, it is uh, a considerable amount of money. It's about $4 million over uh, four years. And I think that gets us closer to really being able to describe ourselves as a sort of very interchangeable. Uh, system of care where somebody can come to a door and it's the right door because we because we're I we're able to identify the services that people need without people having to repeat themselves time and time again and it fits into our uh, very well defined strategic plan which is improving access uh, to people in our community to the services that we provide so really uh, a great uh, day last Friday when we heard I mean uh, really um, very happy with it yeah a lot to get into there first off you know it's it's not just a certificate that you're putting up on the wall you know congratulating um, our staff on doing a tremendous job there's actual real uh, benefits and financial dividends uh, to be um, to be uh, received here as a result of of this, so take me a little inside that, particularly looking at the the Whitman Council. It's at four million dollars over four years. Is this going to be a way for 
uh, Bamsey to you know address um, wage issues and rates of pay, of of pay, or how do you see the the money being spent? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different ways that we'd say we'd spend the money. One of them is on workforce. Obviously, it's one of the problems that everybody in every line of business is struggling with. Um, but also, it's uh, investment in our IT and in our infrastructure, our, our electronic medical record. Well, another thing in our uh, strategic plan speaks of a single source of truth, which sounds very sort of Darth Vaderish. But uh, what I mean by that is that we'll have an electronic medical record that really covers uh, everybody in the agency in some way, so that there, you know, things like medication records and um, you know, hospitalization records are viewable by everybody who's uh, involved in that person's care, which is a real step in the right direction to the creation of the system of care, but also meeting people's um, social determinant, determinants of health needs. We're not just treating a depression, we're treating an entire individual who comes with maybe comorbid medical issues who comes with comorbid substance use disorders, who might also have developmental disabilities. You're beginning to put all of those jigsaw pieces together so you see the entire person, which in my opinion, we should all be striving for in the healthcare world because it's the best way of delivering care to a, an individual, but it's also, it's the cheapest way uh, to do that. Uh, and when we're, li when we're living in constrained resources, we should always be thinking about the most efficient way to provide those services. So that's the step that I'm really excited about. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about this before. It's also, in my view, the future of healthcare. So what does that look like, though, for a individual? Let's say that um, you know, they're reaching out uh, to Bamsey for treatment for um, a mental health issue, and they have all of these other co-occurring uh, issues as well. Is there going to be kind of a one stop or is there going to be a Bamsey works with this entity that takes care of this aspect, but this is kind of the, you know, the, the service umbrellas out from Bamsey? Well, you've just described a system of care perfectly, Chris, and, and yes and yes. I mean, we cannot uh, as an organization meet all the needs of all the individuals Um you know, um, but what we can do is we can create lines of communication and connection. Um, this particular grant will allow us to open a lab uh, and also have phlebotomy on site. So, you know, and, and it's the, the, the nurse, the manager of that program will be a, an RN. So we will have more medical integration, physical uh, um, health integration with behavioral health. Again, what we're all striving for, how, how do you meet people's needs in the easiest way? And it'll also help us again, I think I mentioned with the uh, with technology, uh, but also we can uh, in, in invest in what they call uh, patient ping uh, or collective med medical um, technologies. These are systems that join us up with other providers that allow us, of course, with the right um, uh, sign-offs uh, from the from the person served will allow us to have notifications of that individual's hospitalization um, so that we are we know and we can track where that person is just think i mean it is such a step forward that there's that kind of integration we i think i've told you this story before in another place chris but when we did this before uh, up in new hampshire we had this this ping patient ping thing 
we somebody was missing and we were connected to an ed in seattle because they were on the same uh um platform as we are and we got a ping that morning that somebody had had a bipolar episode had traveled had had ended up in seattle were confused in their bipolar state they went to the um the hospital for help they pinged us or, or uh, automatically pinged us and we were able to supply them with all of the clinical ne- uh, information that they needed to make a good clinical decision about the next level of care that to me is where we need to be headed towards and this grant is going to allow us to do uh, to get closer to that sticking with the new hampshire theme i remember 10 years ago john huntsman ran for president i'm probably the only person that remembers that but <laughs> in doing so he talked a lot about uh, obamacare and harmonized medical records something they had done in utah again 10 years ago and it sounds a lot like that where just for any individual it is so annoying for them to have to answer the same questions when they feel like their doctor should know if they were hospitalized or they're seeing their primary care physician or they should or their uh, psychiatrist should know if they were hospitalized with a mental health issue. Um, and you fi- find yourself you know, explaining and, and spending so much time trying to communicate with a um, medical professional what you feel they should already know. So it sounds kind of like like that. And, you know, is it is has it actually taken you know this amount of time in order for there to be consensus on how to harmonize medical records to the point where though a and a computer system is built out and that people can each doctor can take a look at their piece of the pie and the the in the pie in total wow a lot to unpack <laughs> but um it's a good question. Yes, it's taken a lot, a lot of time. And if, if I take us back to our time in New Hampshire, the first conversation I ever had with you that was uh, in any way productive <laughs> was when we talked about why is it that there isn't an emergency psych uh, crisis, crisis service in New Hampshire. There is now. I'm not sure if it's completely integrated, but these things take time. And New Hampshire is a good example of that because the politicians, if you remember, absolutely hated the idea of private information being shared among providers, even though there were releases, uh, proper releases of information and proper business partner agreements. There is a piece of that in places. It's less so, I think, in Massachusetts, but people do worry about their information being shared. The overall point is exactly what you said, though. It's about how do you create a system where a person doesn't have to tell their story a hundred times? And what if their English isn't their, uh, right. their, their their first language? What if they're struggling? What if there isn't an interpreter in the ED that night? All of those things happen. That's reality. If we have information that is in front of providers who are connected to care, remember that's the whole thing, the person has to be connected to the care of that individual. That creates a seamless sharing of information that helps with an outcome that is beneficial to that patient, client, or person served. And if we strive for that, then we will better have a better health system. The only thing is, Chris, and, and you might remember we talked about this before, the information's there, but it has to be read. It has to be read by the providers. And one of the big issues in the EDs that I've worked with is that docs will often say, well, I don't have I don't have time to look at that. We've got to correct that. Right. Information is power and information gives us the ability to make the correct clinical decision.
And you know that's what I've found as well that at times the records will be harmonized, but they, um, you know, the doctor is still asking you the questions or kind of reading your chart as they're they're in with in with you. Back to you know the the harmonization of medical records. I totally understand the argument that is made in regard to privacy, but that doesn't mean that the system should not be put in place for all with individuals having the ability to opt out for privacy. Reasons the 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 system should be there. In my view, you know, cost and technology were the two major things that have held this up. There has been litigation as well, um, you know, as we were referencing. But you know, making that step forward, and even for organizations to harmonize, as we've been you know talking about having a central um, you know intake with uh, the helpline serving as a way for individuals to come into the front door and then figuring out. Where is the best area for them to to land in a consistent fashion? One of the biggest you know barriers to quality care, in my view, is the time that it takes and the effort that it takes for individuals to get appointments, to be able to speak with um, individuals. And very often, you know they give up during the course of the process and determine that it's not worth it uh, to them to continue, particularly when it comes to, Mental health. You know, very often people are in very precarious mental states when they do want to reach out. And the worst possible thing is when you know people don't answer the phone or there is no um, response or they don't get good answers in regard to their their questions. So, seeing you know barriers addressed and barriers to care being addressed is obviously integral. It is, and you know. It, we, we, I, th- I think you just have to overlay your own experience and then think about what it might be like for somebody in crisis. You right. know, you know, I, I had an incident with the bank a couple of weeks ago, and it was so frustrating because it was uh, you couldn't get hold of uh, an individual, and then in the end, it just said, "Well, there's nobody here." I mean, we have to be in a position where when that phone is answered, there is a compassionate, caring voice on the other side of the of the phone that is not going to, because people who are looking for help have been used to being rejected in the past, especially as you say, with uh, diseases of the mind, with, with addiction, with, with, with mental health, you know, they're, they're not always um, confident that they're going to get a good ear. Uh, and so we have to be in a place where we can be compassionate, where we can be affirming, where we can assure people that there is a road to recovery. Um, and if we're not in that place and that person has to, you know, go make four phone calls and another phone call, by that time, maybe one of the person's four kids, you know, that they're a single parent for needs to go to um, hockey practice and, the, and, and that um, access opportunity has passed. Again, our strategic plan right there in the middle of it is improve access to people who need our services. And that should be every behavioral health um, strategic plan goal, uh, every provider's goal, if you ask me. So we have three questions from the mailbag today. The first one is 2023 is right around the corner. What's going to be new with Bamsey in the new year? Well, I think what we've been talking about, you know, we have just um, ramped up our uh, youth advocacy center, which is just getting up and running. That is that we're providing services for transitional age youth um, in, in in a sort of clubhouse model. It is not a clubhouse, but this is new. Uh, last Friday, Chris, we submitted an application to provide youth 
um, program for assertive uh, community treatment. Um, that will be the first time in um, Massachusetts that um, uh, that particular evidence-based practice has been rolled out for youth. I'm really, really uh, optimistic about that. It was a great um, uh, referral that we put in. Uh, so we'll see from that. And then again, movement on strategic plan goals towards integrating our systems, towards choosing systems that meet our needs. We're, we're undergoing a systems uh, look now to say, look, is this the right, are these the right systems that we have? And if they're not, let's move on billing. Let's move on our HR uh, systems. Let's, um, our clinical record is pretty good, I think. And uh, there's one saying that, you know, if you don't absolutely need to change your clinical record, then you shouldn't. And I don't feel we're in that position. Um, so it really is actioning on our uh, our movement towards a, a more population health um, sort of uh, look at the way that we treat uh, our uh, person served. Um, for example, looking at people who are in residential programs and making sure that they're getting all they need in terms of um, mental health, you know, uh, if they're in our developmental disabilities programs, much more integration, uh, much more ease of accessing information and growing our service system, of course, with the uh, uh, Certified Community Behavioral Health Center, we're a real step in the right direction. The other question, or one of the other questions is, how has inflation affected or um, is affecting BAMSI? Yeah, well, we've had to budget in um, large increases in uh, our fuel costs, our energy costs that we know are coming our way. Um, you know, we have increased the um, the, the amount of uh, reimbursement for our um, uh, gas mileage for our folks who are out there um, visiting. Uh, fortunately, I think we've seen a little bit of a dip in those uh, energy prices over the next over the last few weeks. But who knows what the winter is going to bring? Um, yeah, I mean, and advocating for more uh, resources to pay uh, because all of those, many of those um, increases that we negotiated last year um, have been diminished uh, by inflation that, that everybody in the country is still dealing with. And the final thing is uh, uh, there obviously been legislation at the state house uh, involving increased wages for essential workers. Has there been any progress there? Still going on. I mean, you know, we um, we are get we're still getting in um, many of our um, results from our contracts. Um, that negotiation is coming up. Uh, new contracts negotiations it, it, it's in the new year. Um, we will, with our trade associations, ADDP and the um, Association of Behavioral Health and Providers Council, um, collaborating with them uh, to essentially say, Chris, you named these people essential. Now it's your responsibility to make sure that you're putting um, money where that statement is and we'll continue to push that. Uh, uh, well, I have to say, we'll be doing that, you know, in five and ten years time because that's the essential um, piece of making sure that those essential workers are getting paid what they deserve. Peter, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. This has been the Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan.